We're going to be in the book of Haggai. We are in Haggai chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 19. And since Haggai is one of those books that's only two pages in your Bible, probably, I will give you a little bit of time to find it while we uh, go before the Lord and just ask him to bless our time in his word this morning. And um, join with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We come with our, our hearts set ablaze with worship, Father God, and we continue in that worship as we turn to your word that we would continue to just give you our hearts, our minds, and our souls, Father. Speak the word that we need to hear. We thank you that you provide for all of our needs, that you provide those from outside this specific church body to come in, and and Lord, we're united by your spirit that brings us all together under the headship of Christ, and we're so thankful to have Alonzo leading us in worship, which uh, mixed with our worship team. And Lord, we just pray that you're glorified. Speak to us from your word now, the words that we need to hear. Give us the strength and the encouragement to walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, we come to the third message that Haggai was given from the Lord to the people of Israel post-exile. The title for the message today is Contamination. If we remember our theme is think carefully about our ways. And we've already looked at wrong priorities, shaping our expectations. We are to shape our expectations by the presence of God and by the promises of his word. And this morning, he's going to speak to us about contamination because contamination, as we know, it's an event that occurs it has the potential to bring great catastrophe. It can, it can uh, cause intense bodily harm and even death. We do a lot to prevent contamination also. We have tamper-proof lids, the child-proof lids, you know, the only ones the child can open. We always have to hand it to them. Here, open this for me. Um, we have those jars that once you open it, you hear that satisfying pop. And then from then on, you can click the button on the top and really drive people crazy as you do that. That's all to let you know that it's been sealed properly. And then when it pops up, that there is now a risk and a potential of contamination. Contamination destroys purity, eliminates safety, and wipes out the integrity of something. The only safe thing to do when something is contaminated is to throw it out. When it comes to food, such is the danger of contamination that they have a saying, when in doubt, throw it out. It's very catchy. It rhymes and it just rolls off the tongue. Sin has a contaminating effect. Sin affects the cleanliness, the cleanness of things. God separates things into categories, doesn't he? God has one side. He has what he has declared clean. And on the other side, he has what he has declared unclean. He has what he has declared as holy and that which he proclaims is unholy. That which is pure, that which is defiled or contaminated. That's where we find ourselves with Haggai's third message is that the Lord is is pointing them towards the idea of contamination and defilement. We need to hear this message as much as they needed to hear it then. We need to hear it today as many, many misunderstand the whole concept of clean, unclean, holy versus unholy, pure versus defiled. And 
we are just like ancient Israel. Like Haggai spoke this to ancient Israel, but it's not like, oh, that's just for them. And they didn't know any better. And now we're, we're, we're all educated here and we know what, how to store food properly. And no, no, we misunderstand just like they did spiritual contamination and spiritual holiness. So starting in verse 10 of chapter two, it says on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of armies says. Ask the priests for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil, or any other food, does it become holy? The priest answered, no. And then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches anything, does it become defiled? And the priest answered, it becomes defiled. Haggai then replied, so is this people and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. So is every work of their hand, even what they offer there is defiled. Now, from this day on, think carefully before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? When someone came to a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. I struck you, all the works of your hands, with blight, mildew, and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. From this day on, think carefully from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, think carefully. Is there seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, I will bless you. And there's three parts to this message that we're going to look at. We're going to look at each part individually. And the first one we're going to look at is the Inquisition. No, not the Spanish Inquisition. This is just the inquiry that God gave Haggai to present to the priests. Again, we read in the first three verses, it's on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. And he says, ask the priests for a ruling. He asks them two questions. And the first question is, if a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil, or other food, does it become holy? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? And the priest answered, it becomes defiled. Now, first, let's get the date out of the way. This message was given on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. So this would be the 24th of Kislev, or otherwise known as December 18th, 520 BC, the second year of Darius. A little over two months after the last message that we looked at. So it's been two months. There's no major holiday. There's no major feast going on. And that's not the focus of, of how this context is being given. The message that Haggai has given comes at a time in those two months, Zechariah the prophet began his ministry already. He's the next prophet we'll be looking at in this series. But the message that Haggai has given comes with an inquisition, an inquiry from the Lord for him to present to the priests. 
He says, I want a ruling on this matter. The ruling would be an authoritative rule from the instruction of the law of Moses. And Haggai asked those two questions in verses 12 and 13. Question number one is concerning holiness. And he says, if a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and it were to touch bread, stew, wine, oil, or any other food, does it become holy? Now, consecrated meat is the meat from a sacrifice that was from an animal presented on the altar that was consecrated, set apart for the Lord. It was now considered holy because it was accepted by the Lord. It belonged to the Lord. It was set apart for the Lord to use. So Haggai says, if a garment containing this consecrated, this holy meat, if the garment containing it touches food, does the garment make food holy? The priest said, no. And you'll all be happy to know that the priest got it right. This is a very far cry from where they were pre-exile. Post-exile, they're getting it right. Even though the garment is holy, even though the food is holy, even though they're both set apart and sanctified, it does not make other things holy. This is because holiness is non-transferable. You can't touch something holy and because of the contact, become holy yourself. Man has been getting this wrong for thousands of years. There are many holy relics and artifacts that they hold on to because they believe that it transfers holiness. God is setting the record straight here. And people of Israel need to know this as well. If you see what they do in Israel today and the way that they treat certain sites, they still need to understand this. Question number two is concerning contamination defilement. So the question is, is so, suppose somebody touched a dead body. By touching a dead body, they become defiled. And so then they go and touch any of these things. Would it be defiled? The priest said, yes, it becomes defiled. And once again, they get it correct. That's because defilement and contamination is easily transferable. Who or whatever touches something or someone contaminated also becomes contaminated and defiled. Or if you yourself are contaminated and defiled, you contaminate and defile. Holy acts have no power to make anything or anyone holy. That's because only a holy God can make someone or something holy. The meat that was offered on the idol, or on the idol, the meat that was offered on the altar, what makes it holy? Is it because it was offered as a sacrifice? No, it's because God accepted it as a sacrifice. That's what makes it holy. It's God that makes things holy when he declares something acceptable. But contamination and defilement can spread to anyone or anything merely by touching it. People have a misconception back then, and it's very much alive and well today, that just worshiping in a temple would automatically cleanse unholy people. And God, throughout Scripture, 
has been trying to erase this idea from man because over and over again, the prophets call for obedience over sacrifice. It's, it's not what we offer that makes us holy. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Many might argue with me on this point, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I don't entertain the thought that mere contact or association with holiness, such as we have to stay in a Christian bubble. We can only talk to Christian people. We can only work at Christian jobs. We can only go to Christian places. We can only watch and do things Christian is going to preserve anybody. Maybe you agree with me on that. That's not what preserves us. That's not what, what keeps us. A holy environment is not a panacea. It's not a cure-all. I, I, I know many people that, that, that believe that, and when they're, we, we do it with our kids. And, and, when, and when they get to that one spot, then we're confronted with a crisis where we're like, I did something wrong. We, we take it upon ourselves, and we forget each one has to make their own choice of following it. But that's not what keeps anyone whole, holy. If we keep them in a pure, holy environment and everything, that's not, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to stay holy. All it takes is one drop of some contaminant into a container, and it contaminates the entire container. If I gave you a cup full of water, but I took a little dropper and I put one drop in it of something, would you still drink it? What if I added more water to the cup? but that drop still remained in there. Would you drink it? See, contamination contaminates entirely. doesn't matter how much is there. It contaminates entirely. Holiness is not contagious. Impurity is. Think of it this way. You're sick. How do we get better? We all huddle over. We go to the healthy person's place and we stick around the healthy person, right? So we can catch their health. That makes us better, right? No, we, we know better than that. If you take a sick person and you put them near a healthy person, they're not going to catch health. They're going to spread sickness. We, we have, God has set apart these ideas of holy versus unholy, defiled versus pure, concept of clean and unclean, pure versus contaminated. Those are important concepts ever since the Jews were walking in the law of Moses. It was necessary because if they became unclean, they had to be separated. Why? Why would you separate the unclean from everybody else? Because it's so contagious. And anything and everything they touch then becomes unclean. And then they had to go through the whole process to be made ceremonially clean again. And then in some cases that took several days, anywhere from three to seven days. It took a certain specific um, ritual but even then they found out that none of that is actually what made them clean. It's when the Lord said, you are clean. You see, in some cases you need to make a proper sacrifice in order to restore the fellowship with the Lord in order to become clean again. Because it's far easier to become contaminated and defiled than it is to restore holiness and purity. So that's the inquisition. That's the question. Getting them thinking about what it is to be contaminated. Why? Well, that brings us to the illumination. 
I get myself into a lot of trouble with my family because they like to ask me questions and I like to ask questions back. Does it frustrate you when somebody asks, when you ask somebody a question and they answer with a question? They ask me a question and here's what I do. Why do you ask? It doesn't even matter what it is. That's always my response. No, why do you ask? Like I have to know their motivation, and their reasoning before it. And I believe that this is what's going on here is where the Lord is saying, here's why I'm asking. Here's what you need to understand. In verse 14, Haggai continues with the message from the Lord. He says, so is this people and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. He says that one who touches a corpse and is defiled and touches other things and defiles them. He says, by that same method and by that same law of contamination, so is this people before me and so is this nation. And then he continues on. He says, and so is every work of their hands and even what they offer. It's therefore defiled. And he says, and then he goes on. And he says, now from this day on, think carefully before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple. What state were you in? When someone came to a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. He says, I struck you all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. So the truth that God is leading the people to, the truth that we need to see this morning is in the same way that something becomes defiled when it touches something contaminated, so is this people, because where did they just come out of? They just came out of Babylon, right? He says, think about where it was before the foundation of the temple was laid, before even one stone was placed in another. What state were you in? We were in exile. We were in the Babylonian empire. Is, are the Babylonians clean or unclean in the eyes of the Lord? They are unclean. They were in the unclean area. They were from around the unclean. They came out unclean. And so he says, this people are contaminated. This people are defiled. In fact, the whole nation is defiled. And he says, this is the Lord's declaration. Because sometimes when we read something, it talks about being contaminated or unclean or impure. We like to go, yeah, he's talking about them. See, I'm the special case. I'm the exception. And it says, this is the Lord's declaration because sometimes we like to argue and present our case. We like to find the loopholes, but God is saying, I've judged and I've declared them to be contaminated, to be defiled, to be unholy. Because remember, once again, only God declares something holy or unholy. And so they are people of sin. They are around sin. They're in a world of sin and they're contaminated before the Lord God. And then he says, and, and, and here's the, imp here, here, here's, the big problem with that. Every work of their hands and even the offering that they bring is therefore defiled. In the same way as what the priests explained would defile the people have defiled and contaminated everything they've touched. The one who is holy cannot impart holiness to anything all they can do is maintain holiness of that which is already holy. But the one who is contaminated, they will contaminate everything they touch. And these people thought they were holy, right? They're back in the 
holy land. They're going back and into the holy city. They're building God's holy temple. And so they said, well, we're like holy cubed. We're like three times holy. They've been back in the land for 16 years thinking that they are holy because they're in the holy land, because they're building the holy city and because they're building God's holy temple. When the truth is they are defiled and contaminated because of their disobedience. Because remember, they started putting their hand to the work of building God's temple and it was hard. And they said, wait, it's hard because God's not in it. Because everything that God is in is super easy. Never does he bring difficulty. And so they said, since it's so hard, it's not the time to build God's house. It's time to build our house. It's time to get us right. We have to take care of ourselves before we take care of God. And so they started farming and they planted the crops and they went to go reap their harvest. And they didn't understand that their mere presence in the Holy Land does not make them and does not make what they do holy. You can sign up for that trip to Israel. It's called the trip to the Holy Land. But going there ain't going to make you holy. If our hearts are wrong before God, nothing we do is holy. Nothing we do is holy to God. Everything we do, however, will be adversely affected. If we disobey even in the smallest thing, we pollute and contaminate whatever our hands touch. There's no amount of work, there's no amount of worship that will ever sanctify our sin. But even the smallest amount of sin will contaminate all of our work and all of our worship. It's a hard thing to consider because sometimes we like to think, well, I can be disobedient in this area, but as long as I'm over here doing this and working for God over here, then it's okay because this is good work and I'm still doing holy... No, if you're in disobedience over here, everything you do everywhere is unholy before God. You might be doing a good work, but it's not acceptable to God. It's a hard thing for us to consider. And it's something that we need to get right because we want our work. We want our offerings. We want to be accepted by God, don't we? And then God says, now from this day on, Think carefully. And remember, that's our theme for Haggai. Think carefully about your ways. He says, before one stone was placed on another, what state were you in? What state were you in? Were you contaminated or were you holy? They were contaminated. The results of their hand and everything they did, it was polluted and it brought nothing back to them. That's why their harvest was poor. That's why they couldn't get anything back. They were doing all this work, but their hands were contaminated. It was contaminated with blight and mildew. Those are signs of uncleanness. And God reminded them, he says, you had hearts that were defiled and therefore the work of your hands are defiled. He says, and it remained defiled, he says, because you still didn't turn to me. No amount of good work, or let me rephrase it, no amount of God work can make one holy. And I put God in quotes because it's not God's work, but it's work we do for God. No amount of work that we do for God can make us holy and uncontaminated. Only God himself can make one holy and uncontaminated. And that only happens when we turn to him. 
That only happens when we go to him. And it's only those who are cleansed by God who can serve God with clean hands and clean hearts. Without this cleansing, the people's gifts, your gifts, our gifts, without that cleansing, it doesn't matter how much they cost. It doesn't matter how much we offer them. It doesn't matter what it is. They are all unclean before God. We know in Ezra that there's a recording that when the people came out and they went into the land, they started right away. They were giving of what little they had. They were giving great sacrifices. They were sacrificing so much in a time of scarcity. But they were in disobedience to God. None of it mattered. And we need to understand this, this, this concept. We need to understand what it is that God's trying to teach them. We need to understand this because every other religion in the world gets it wrong. Righteousness does not come from what one does for God. No matter what you do for God, it will not make you righteous one bit. You cannot earn righteousness. It only comes from what God has done in the hearts of men. Too many today, too many in Haggai's day, too many today think that their work for the Lord can bring that sanctification, which only comes from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. It's when we turn to God. And we need to understand holiness. Holiness is the prerequisite for acceptable worship. Holiness is the prerequisite for acceptable sacrifice. Holiness is the prerequisite for acceptable service for God. And holiness is the prerequisite to receive the blessings of God. And so God um, moves Haggai on and he brings him to what we would consider um, the implication of this. And that's just the, here, here's the application. Here's how we take this now. Because he wants them to understand. He wants, to, he wants the people to really know what's going on here. And I think we need to understand that too because there's many that are confused about where is it, where, where do I stand with God? In verse 18, he says, from this day on, think carefully. From the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple being laid, think carefully. He says, is there seed still left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, I will bless you. He says, from this day on, think carefully. And he marks it specifically. The 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, think carefully. Consider all that has happened. Consider where you were. Consider where you are. Consider doing what's necessary, what's required. Because if you want a different result, you have to have different actions. Did you know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again while expecting a different result? Look, when you do the same thing, you get the same results. If you're, if you're out there and you're working hard for God and none of your work is being blessed of God, when you're working hard and, and, and you're not reaping what God has promised that you'll reap, 
don't keep doing what you're doing. It's not working. There's something going on there. And that's what God wanted them to see. He's, you need to understand this. He said, look, I struck the work of your hands and still you didn't turn to me. Ah, oh, there's our clue. When that happens, we need to turn to God. We need to go to God. Okay, so they went to God. And he's saying from this day on, there's a marked point. There's a marked point. Look, he says right now you're, you're depleted of seed. You don't have any uh, regular produce. You don't even have the... Uh, the extra, the extravagant. You don't have any of that seed. There's nothing in your storehouse. But think carefully because from this day on, I will bless you. Many times we come, we're struggling in life, right? Our life is falling apart. The world's caving in around us. So we come to Christ because crisis has pushed us to make a decision for Christ. So we do that, and then we look around, and the world's still falling apart, and we start to freak out. Oh, maybe this didn't work. Oh, maybe Christ isn't there for us after all. We have to be careful not to look too soon for the signs of blessing, or we're going to find only discouragement. There's sometimes choices that we've made before that the consequences we have yet to reap. There's sometimes still things that we have to go through, even though we've made that choice. And from this day on, God will bless us. But there's still a a harvest that we have to reap from our previous time. God is promising blessing to those who put their priorities right. God promises blessing to those who've cleansed themselves properly. But the blessings may not come immediately. Even though that now they're obeying, God says, from this day on, I'll bless you. Why? Because they're now obeying. They've turned to him. They've, they've turned over. Everything they do now is acceptable to him. And they can receive the blessings. And here's what I believe God wants us to hear today is maybe you, like those in Haggai's day, maybe it's been 15 years since you started doing what the Lord has originally called you to do. But you've since neglected it. He says, do it now. Don't keep doing the same thing, expecting to do it now. Be obedient to what he's told you to do. If he's called you to be a prayer warrior, my brother and sister in Christ, get on your knees and pray. If he's called you to study the word of God, you get open your Bible, you get it out and you study with intensity. If he's called you to witness and to evangelize, You get out there and you look for that first person to strike up a conversation and you start sharing and start with your testimony. If he's called you to be a singer, you need to sing. You need to write songs. You need to do it now. If he's called you to be a musician, you need to play your instrument and you need to play it with all your heart for God. You can't put it aside anymore. If he's called you to be hospitable, open up your house regularly and you can invite me over. I love tacos. (laughs) If he's called you to the mission field, you need to go. You You need to go. Don't say the time is not now. Don't neglect to do what he's called you to do because when you neglect to do what he's called you to do, it leads to great emptiness in your life and it contaminates everything else you do because you might think, well, I'm just not doing this one thing for God, but I'm doing all these other things. But you know what? You're disobeying him in this one area. None of this can be blessed because all of it's contaminated now. You see, sin contaminates the work of God. 
It robs us of God's blessing. If you are not receiving God's blessing, there's sin in your life that is blocking it. It was sin that brought the destruction of Jerusalem. It was sin that brought the captivity of the nation. It was sin that also hindered the rebuilding. It didn't have to take them that long to rebuild not only the temple, but the city itself. It took them a long time because they continued to be afraid. They continued to walk in sin. They continued to disobey God. They needed to understand as a nation, as much as America today needs to understand this proverb, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. We need to understand this. There was once a time in which we could say, God has blessed America. But that's when America was more righteous than they are today. And as they walk away from righteousness, we may still think that God is blessing America, but you know what? When heaven cuts off the blessing, it still takes a while for it to fall from the sky. We're just still living off of the blessing of our righteousness from before. There's some things that we need to take from this, some, some principles that we need to understand. Number one, to contaminate is easy. It's much easier to spread contamination than it is to prevent it. I mean, look at all the efforts that we put into preventing it and how many recalls do we have? By the way, did you know that donuts have never been on a recall? Just saying, spinach has, donuts not. A container of pure water is contaminated by a single drop. You may not think so, but I love this illustration. and I used it in a youth group, and I'll continue to use it forever. But it reminds me of these kids that were telling their parents, Mom, Dad, I want to go see this movie. Well, I don't know. I don't like that movie. And they're like, well, it's mostly okay, except for this one scene that's in it. One scene, oh my gosh. They're like, yeah, but the scene's only on there for like, it's, it's like a half a second. So it's like really just a minuscule part of the whole entire movie. And they're like, but yeah, I don't agree with that one scene, you know? And so the parents go, okay, let's make a deal. I'm going to make you some brownies. I'm going to get, make chocolate brownies, your favorite. Get all the ingredients, put it in. Oh, but we need a special ingredient. I need you to go outside and go where Spot goes, and go bring in some of Spot's uh, excrement. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's great. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just going to use a little bit. I'm just going to use a little bit, and we put it in there and mix it. Are you going to eat those brownies? I'm not. I don't care how minuscule that, no. Reading the list of ingredients on the back, these days they disguise it by changing the names of it. But if we really knew what it meant, it would, it, it would say like, all those bad things, we would never put those things in. But if it were to say, like, dog excrement, no, we're not going to eat that. Oh, it's in the ingredient. No, I don't care if it's the last ingredient. I don't care. No. There is so much out there that can, can, can contaminate us by proxy. It can contaminate our hands. It can contaminate our work. And it can contaminate our offerings to God. The second principle is to impart holiness is impossible. We can't impart holiness. We can't spread holiness. Holiness is a status or a position. Holiness cannot be transferred to anyone or by anyone. You can't impart holiness by attending church. 
You can't impart holiness by being baptized. You can't even impart holiness by taking communion. You can't do it by doing good works. You can't do it through moral living. You cannot make yourself holy. And you certainly can't make anybody else holy. But I think the third principle, let's hold on to this one. This one we need. Recovering lost holiness requires God. When through sin or disobedience, we lose holiness in our life, we can't recover it on our own. But also know this, if we are in Christ and we're contaminated, we haven't lost our salvation, but we have lost the ability to work and to offer to God that which is acceptable to God. But there is a way back to God. It requires turning to God and relying on God. You might think it's impossible, but this is what Jesus was talking about. He says, with what is impossible with man is possible with God. You see, our God is the God of possible. And number four, holiness cannot be passed on or inherited. Corruption and pollution can be. What do I mean by this? Do you know that ever since Adam and Eve, when Adam first sinned, the seed of sin was passed on through Adam. You inherit it. You were born in a world of sin, born with a nature of sin. Your grandmother, your grandfather, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your sister, your brother, your cousin, they might all have Christ as their Lord and Savior. You can't inherit it. They can't leave it to you in the will. God does not have grandchildren. God only has children. In, in the same way, you can hang around and you can mess with sin, and you'll never avoid being contaminated. On the other hand, you can't just come to church. You can't just hang around holy people. You can't just hang around holy things and be made righteous. Just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just hanging around with Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Everyone has to come before God for themselves to be made and declared holy by him. And that happens through obedience to Jesus' sacrifice. You see, God provided Jesus who lived the perfect and holy life. Jesus was in the world of sin, never corrupted by sin. The only one who's ever lived perfectly and remained completely pure, completely holy. And he presented himself on the cross to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, to pay the penalty for those sins. so that anybody who would call upon his name for forgiveness would be declared righteous. We have a big fancy word for it. It's called justified. Here's the simplified definition. Justified, never sinned. When we come to Christ and his blood covers us, we're clothed in his righteousness. We stand before God just as if we'd never sinned. And he declares us holy in Christ Jesus. It said that, as many as receive Christ, to them he gives the right to be, to be called children of God, to become children of God. We're going to partake of communion right now. Communion, we observe and we partake of it to remember the sacrifice that Christ made. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that one is made holy, one is made clean, one is removed from being contaminated. 
Remember, God doesn't have any grandchildren. So maybe you're in one of two groups here this morning. In the first group, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never been made holy. You may have done a lot of good works. You may have been around a lot of great people. You may have done a lot of things that you thought were done in the name of God. And maybe you're finding out here today that God hasn't accepted any of it. We partake of communion as a family of God. And if you haven't accepted Christ, you're not in that family. But I wouldn't tell you skip the communion. What I would say is come to the cross. Ask Christ for forgiveness. He says, as many as receive him shall be saved. And he says, anybody who comes to him, he will by no means cast away. So you don't have to worry about coming to Christ. And all of a sudden he's going to go, wait, wait, wait. Not you. No, God will say, yes, come. And he will declare you righteous. You can partake of communion with us together as a family if you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask for forgiveness from his sacrifice on the cross. It'll cover your sins and you'll be declared righteous and holy by God. Maybe you're here this morning. You know the cleansing power of Christ's blood. He is your Lord and Savior. But maybe you've been walking in disobedience. Maybe you've been walking in a different area than where God has called you to be serving, where God has been calling you to work. My exhortation to you, the exhortation from the Lord is if he's given you a talent, be using it for the church in the church. That is why he gave it to you. Do not be like the servant who at the end of time when Christ comes, he says, here's your talent that I had buried in the sand. Be the one who's using the gifts and the talents and the callings that he's given you and do it today so that God can say from this day on, I will bless you. As Paul was instituting the Lord's Supper in the early church, he writes and he says to the church, he says, for I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take. It says also in the same way, he took the cup after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me, let's take. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And that proclaims two great truths to us. First, Christ died. His sacrifice was acceptable to God on the cross because he was holy and righteous. His sacrifice being acceptable means any who come to him under the offer of that sacrifice are made holy and righteous by God. And the second thing it says, until he comes, which means he's coming back because his sacrifice was accepted. He was raised from the dead because, our sacrifice, because his sacrifice has covered us and we're acceptable to God. At the end, he will raise us as well. We look forward to his glorious coming and his great hope in that resurrection. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning 
And Lord, we just thank you for this truth, Father God. But help us to apply, help us to live by this truth, Lord. It is so easy to walk in this world and become contaminated, Father. Give us the strength that we would continue to turn to you. Father, as we see the blessing uh, of maybe not coming like, like it should, maybe, maybe as we feel your presence distancing, Father, that we would see that as a blight and that we would turn to you, Father God. That we wouldn't just say, oh, I just need to work harder. Oh, I just need to do more great works. But Father, that we would remember that we need to turn and come back to you in our relationship with you. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves holy. We have to come to the one who declares us holy. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.